0: Our married uh, couples, we want it for our singles, and it's a, it's a, it's a series for everybody so you can invite people. Uh, it is really a good great series. And we started uh, last week uh, illuminating some things, and we said last week that we were going to do uh, five points. And I said, We we'll probably get to three, I don't know, we might get to five, I don't know, but anyway, we, we started on those. So, really, point number one. We cover, and if you go to Genesis chapter 2, that's where we, that's where we are. That's our base um, scripture, uh, Genesis 2 uh, 24 25. And we said that um, in, in yesterday's, that last week's message, that uh, in illuminating these scriptures, God has a plan for us. And that plan, we wanted to understand the, the definitions and what God meant by the things he said, and we talked about last week, point number one, we said that God really wanted us to be uh, to, a father to, to, um, uh, well, a person to leave his father and his mother and cleave his wife. So what did God really mean by leaving and cleaving? What did he really mean? That, that was our first point that we eliminated. The second point, we said that uh, what did God mean by being of one flesh? What did he really mean? So we covered that. We introduced the third one, which was uh, that the man and his wife was both naked and not ashamed. So we started on that. So let's pick, it, let's start there, and let's go from there because I think that's very important for us to know what did God mean by that. Well, let's look in uh, chap- chapter two of Genesis, verse twenty-four. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and will be joined to his wife and and they shall become one flesh. Now what I said there was that this is not something just for Adam here because uh, God didn't mean it for that. He could not have meant it for that uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Adam didn't have a, father and a mother did he he didn't have a mother so uh he he didn't have didn't have an earthly father either so he couldn't have meant it for that so we say he's talking about future future he's going future now how else do we know he's going future because jesus in matthew chapter 19 jesus really quoted uh this particular scripture when he was telling us about uh what what the Pharisees wanted to catch him in something, and he quoted this scripture. It was in Matthew 19. We covered that. So why did he put it there? If it's future, then why put it here? Because Genesis, are the, it, Genesis really is the beginning. Anytime you see the word Genesis, we talk about the beginning of something. Okay, The beginning of something. So when you want to find out what did God mean by things, Go always back to Genesis, and Genesis will, will, will tell us those things. Now, when we talked about naked and, ash- uh, and, and, and not ashamed, I wonder why would God put it there? Well, we know that Adam and we know that his, his wife, we know that Eve, was, they, they were both naked and unashamed. But if he's talking about now future, future, we can't be naked and, and not ashamed future wise or can we can we so those are the questions that I ask and I, and I believe that it's a possibility to be negative and unashamed even in uh, once we get born again in our, uh, our, our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ if it's in the proper context it has to be in the marital context okay so let's, let's, let's uh, uh, go a little bit further in that, what we mean. We know that he could not have meant that really Adam and Eve, they were perfect. They were perfect specimens, so therefore they were like Mr. America, Mrs. America, and so therefore they would not be ashamed of their bodies because they are perfect. Well, we know it couldn't have been that because he's speaking of future. If he's speaking of future, then um, uh, nobody's going to be perfect, just him. Okay, Adam, and we know he was perfect whatever God, however God made him. We don't really know who, how he made the physique, but we, we, we know that everything he made was good. Okay, so, uh, but he couldn't mean that. I don't care if you have a Mr. America or whoever you have in this day and, day and time in society, do you really know that people are going to find fault with you regardless? Because we are a people that, are, uh, uh, that really... We're from Adam, and so since he fell, we all have that fallen nature, so therefore, we're going to find fault. Fault. You can look in junior high schools or high schools, and, and you find that, that they'll find something that's wrong with you, either your ears, your nose, something is wrong with you. In a marriage, anybody who's been married long enough, if somebody gets angry, they're going to say something about you, regardless of how perfect you may be. So it couldn't mean that. couldn't mean that. What does he mean then, negative and unashamed? Well, you know he can't mean that everybody's walking around negative and unashamed. That's, that's not true. I don't care whether you're in the nudist camp. I don't care where you are. That, that, that's not going to be it anyway because that's not what God has, had put, prescribed for us after the fall. Let's go a little further than that then. What does he really mean by negative and unashamed then? In the marital covenant, in our relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, there is a place of safety. There's a place of covenant. There's a place of grace in that. And I believe that, that 24 speaks of that because they were, they they left their father and mother. Uh, that's what Adam did. And he, he was joined to his wife. And they were in that covenant relationship. And you know it's so because covenant always brings grace. Covenant covenant always brings that security. And you know that because of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. In our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, there is grace. There is safety. There is security, isn't it? And that's the way it's supposed to be in in marriage. And... When you you have a a covenant relationship and you keep a covenant with the Lord, it is the foundation for keeping a covenant with your your mate also. That's what what it's for. And Adam, we know, was in a covenant with Jesus Christ because we said so in the scripture, uh, Hosea uh, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, what we went through is actually in verse 7. uh, And and, and if if you want to look at that, uh, we can look at it. Again, if you put it on the screen for, for, for people there, uh, it, it, is, it is there, and it says that in verse 7, in Hosea chapter 6, but like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. So Adam was in a covenant, we said last week, and let's go to back to see what this thing is, anytime you're in a covenant, anytime you're in a covenant with God, there is a stipulation of obedience. I don't care whether it's a covenant he made with Abram. I don't care whether it's a covenant, a new covenant. I don't care. The, the stipulation always going to be on God's side is that he expects us to be, what's that word? Obedient. There is not such thing as a covenant that God is going to make with, with uh Man and that there doesn't have to be an obedience, no obedience on our part. He doesn't say it's okay. Do what you want to do. Do what you feel like doing. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna do that. That is not part of any covenant that God's gonna make with man. None whatsoever. It's always gonna be a covenant of obedience. And he says that in a new covenant, in the New Testament, even even he says in. Um, John 15, um, John fourteen, fifteen. it says that if you love me, finish it for me, keep my commandments. Why would he tell us that if it's not important to him for us to be obedient? It's always important in any covenant relationship of a superior, of, of God, let's say, with us, is that we be obedient. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 then in verse 16 where the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So now what's Adam's end of the, his part of the covenant he's going to have to keep? Obedience, isn't it? He? Obedience. He's, he's, he's given freedom to do a lot of things. Uh, God, and Adam had an awesome relationship. I mean, here's God, all of his creation. He says that you're going to have dominion over everything that I've created. you got dominion over it. I don't care whether it's crawls. I don't care whether it's flies. I don't care whether they're beasts. I don't care what they are. You have dominion, Adam. He says to Adam, I'm going to bring my creation to you. I'm going to bring the birds to you. I'm going to bring the, the, the bees to you. I'm going to bring the cattle to you. And I want you to name them. Anything you name them, that's the name it's going to be, Adam. You got it. That's what he told him. He gives them freedom. I'm going to put you in a garden. I want you to cultivate it. I want you to keep it. Didn't he say that? Oh, okay, I got, something. I got to obey something. I got to obey something, so I got to keep i got to keep, i got to, I got to cultivate, so i got some work to do. God's not going to let me relax here uh, and just do nothing. i got to work, okay? And i got to uh, find out what I can eat and what I cannot eat. Anything that you see on these trees, in a fruit, in a fruit, in a tree, you can eat, freely eat, whenever you want to eat it, except one tree. This tree, you can't eat this from this tree, Adam. Obedience. Obedience. Why was it hard for Adam to obey that one little command? Why was it that way? I mean, Adam, when he was created, I mean, he's good. Everything was good. God gave us choices, didn't he? He gave us a mind to choose. And isn't that in the way God wanted it to be? If he he didn't want to be that way, he wouldn't have done that way. So he says that you decide, Adam, what you want to do. You decide. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be everything you ever have, you dream of. I'm going to be it for you. I'm here for you. But now I want you to do some things. Cultivate it. Keep the garden. And I want you to leave one tree and its fruit alone. No fruit. I want you to eat off this tree. Anything else you can do. He has a choice. One thing that makes our 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 life on earth so uh, hard is that we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy called Satan, the devil. And of course, there we know that. Uh, He used a serpent and he started talking to Eve. And he always going to whisper some accusations about God. We have to know that the enemy is still going to do that. He still wants to tell us God is going to hold something back from you. He's trying to hold something back from you. Look at this thing. This is good. Why wouldn't God want you to have something good? Because he doesn't want you to be like him. That's why if you were like God, you're going you're to you're know some things. But he doesn't want you to be like he's holding back on you. Don't you know that it causes the sin now? In life today. Because we think God is holding back on us something that's good. Because really in reality, the world has a lot of good things to offer, doesn't it? And even sin can be pleasurable for a season. That's what the Scripture says. That's what the Scripture says. But only for a season. He's always trying to tempt us to do something against God because he believes that um, he can can have superiority over, over God by taking God's creation and says that they're going to serve me. They're not going to serve you. I have something better to offer. See, a covenant tells us, when we make a covenant with God, it tells us that God is going to govern us, govern, okay? He's going to, he's going to be uh, in control of us. He's our maker. He created us. He's going to be in control of us for our good for our good and we are going to trust that rely on that through the mediation of his son our lord and savior jesus christ's death burial and resurrection that's the gospel isn't it do we believe that god is governing us for our good. Or do we believe he's, he's going he's gonna to really secretly not be for our good? Because that's what happens when we get frustrated with the way things are going, with what we see, with our eyes, what we feel, what we sense. We think that God is holding back on us, just like they did. And it calls us to take matters into our own hands because God, somehow, He's not aware of this need I have. He doesn't care about me. He cares about a lot of other things, but He doesn't care about me. He thinks this is of little uh, of value to Him, but it's big value to me. So He's not... Coming through, so I'll come through for myself. I will take matters in my own hand. I'm gonna try to do this thing, I'm gonna try to go this place, I'm gonna try to do this. That's sin. Let's look at it here in chapter three, verse four. The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. The Lord, the God, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open, And you will be like God. See, God is holding something back from you. He doesn't want you to be like he is. He he wants you to be, you know, blinded. He's holding back on you. Your eyes will be open if you eat his. You be like him, knowing good and evil. Well, let's stop there. Knowing good and evil. What did, what did Adam know? He knew good, didn't he? He knew good. See, remember now, God is for, he's going to govern us for our good. For our good. So if anything he's holding back from us is for our, come on, good. It's for our good. So the fruit gives them, partaking of the fruit gives them knowledge of not only good, but also evil. So if they were naked, and both of them were, and both were not ashamed, Is not because they were perfect, it's not because of that, then why couldn't they see that they were naked? They could. Now, you, you could think, uh, one time I thought that they had this glory around them, and they couldn't see each other. You see? But no, they could see each other. Can a baby see? Yeah, a baby can see. Now let, let's say um let's say that Janae, right? Um, she can walk, she can run, right? Now Janae probably doesn't know evil as far as except for what you tell her, you know, don't do that, don't I? then she start knowing some things. But now, suppose you're changing, Janae, Minerva and I over at the house, and she runs into the living room without her diaper or whatever you put on her, without it on her. Will we say, Oh, sinful, Janae. Will we say that? No, because she's so, look, she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know that this is not good, right? is a small enough baby. I mean, you don't have a new old baby. They're naked all the time. and don't, they, don't, they don't think nothing of it. Nothing of it, right? It's, it's, it's we know, so we start putting things on them. We put diapers and on them. We put that on them, you know, so they won't be messing up everywhere, you know. But but, uh, uh, but but if they have full control, then they'll walk around naked, and they won't know a thing. See, But as soon as they partook of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, then they found out that, whoo look at you. Well, they looked at each other anyway beforehand. But now they know that something is wrong. Something is wrong now. We have uncovered some stuff that, oh, this is wrong. They knew they were wrong. When when somebody gets old enough, when Janae gets to be fifteen and she walks around nay then we have a problem. Right? We have a problem. We don't have no problem then, but we had a problem then because she's supposed to know. And so see now they knew good and evil. And so they tried to do what? Cover themselves. That's what they tried to do. Can we get to a point where we can be naked and unashamed because he's looking at the future now, only in the marital situation, where there is covenant, where you have two individuals love the Lord, that they are, uh, they, they are trying to be just like the Lord, they're trying to make character like the Lord, everything else. They give each other grace, grace, grace. There is, no, there is security in a relationship, in a covenant relationship between a man and a wife in the marital in the marital relationship, the, the the bed is pure. It is. Anything else? Well, let's let's let's, well, let's just stop there for a minute. They put fig leaves around them. God did something else. What did He do? He had to now say, "Okay, now." You'll have, you have sinned. This is not a good thing. So now I'm have to i going to cover you. He didn't use fig leaves. He used something else. He could have put, put them on a, a skirt, pants. He could put a house coat on them. He could have put anything he wanted on them. Couldn't he? He said, oh, that wasn't invented back by that, by that time. <laughs> right? What stops God from doing whatever he wants to do? But it had to be some sacrifice for sin, doesn't it? Which was a slang of animal because blood had to be shed. Where is the reconciliation? There's gonna have to be some blood shed. Where there's redemption, there's gonna have to be some blood shed. So now we have the killing of the animals and we have that uh, basically uh, still future wise looking to the future of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So, clothes, think about now, clothes for them, the animal skins, what did it witness of? Well, let's say before the fall, them being naked and unashamed, what did that witness of? Their innocence and purity before God. Right? Now, what did the clothes then witness of? their disobedience, didn't it? Before God. So now we have people wearing clothes, but our clothes witness of our rebellion against God way back Adam. Way back with Adam. Now there are gonna be a time in the future where I don't know what we're gonna look like. I don't know what we're going to be wearing, if anything. But I know one thing. I know that we're going to be as he is because the scripture says so. I know another thing is that there's not going to be marrying and giving a marriage there, so it's not going to be uh, this desire like we have today. So, therefore, you know, when you when somebody see Jesus now, they say, well, man, his feet is like this. His eyes are like this. And it doesn't seem that his hair is white as snow. It doesn't say anything about... You know, all these um, elaborate clothes we might be wearing, you know, that's the style in heaven. See, we don't see that. Suppose we're taking off our clothes now that's not in the marital context. What is that witness of? Our further rebellion against God. Because when God says, I'm putting you on clothes, Because you have broke covenant, and this is witness of that. And when you take them off outside that marital context, that's further rebellion against God. See, a lot of things we don't we don't really think about, and we don't know. That's very important. Very important. So we need to wear clothes. Now we shouldn't. We should wear clothes. Uh, to represent what God called them to represent, we're covering ourselves up. We don't want to be in the in the style of today's, with uh, the way the world is going. Let's see how little clothes you can wear, uh, so that everybody can see what you what you look like without clothes. It should not be that way, should it? Because God has already said that it's a witness of our. Uh, Rebellion against him back with Adam. So think about that as you're uh, trying to go with this, the trends and everything. Is think about what did God? What was God's purpose? You know, because it's, it's going to be spring and summer, and you'll be hitting the beaches. You know, don't hit the beaches with this stuff that, uh, will like the stuff that people put on. You know, uh, what you want to do is to is to be. Uh, Obedience to what God wants to do is us cover ourselves. Okay, very important, very important. That was point number three. Point number three. Point number one was that when I said the points, we illuminated what he meant by leaving and cleaving. Number two, we illuminated what uh, illuminated what he meant by um, one flesh. And then the third point is we were trying to illuminate what he would mean by a man, and his wife, uh, they were both naked and unashamed. Now I so said we had five, and so let's hit the fourth one. The fourth one that we wanted to illuminate is that, let's turn to it in, in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go there. In Ephesians 5 verses 32, 31, 32. It says, for this reason man shall leave his father and his mother, and they shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, th- verse 32, this mystery is great. Remember I said that in the message two weeks ago. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. It's a great mystery. It's a great mystery. Great mystery. Well, what mystery are we talking about? Christ and the church. We said that. Marriage is supposed to be, is supposed to be really, it's like a, well, let's say marriage is, is, is really in existence. He put that in existence to really speak of Christ in the church. Christ in the church. Show the world Christ in the church. That's what he's supposed to do. Christ in the church. Because he says it's a great mystery. A man should leave his, his, his father, mother, and cleave to his wife. The two should be one flesh. This is a great mystery. Christ in the church. Well, then marriage is supposed to. Demonstrate that. We said that. Let's go a little further than that. Okay, now what we're talking about is supposed to do that. Well, we know that if, Christ is talk, if He's talking about Christ in the church, if God's talking about Christ in the church, then marriage, we said, was the doing of God. We said that. Marriage is really the design of God. We said that. Also, marriage is a display of God's love. Marriage is a display of God's love. Marriage gets its existence from the gospel. Because Christ and the church is about the gospel. Isn't it? You won't have a church if there's no gospel. There will be no, no redemption. It's about the gospel. So, marriage is supposed, is supposed to display that. Display the gospel. That's profound. Why is it profound? Because he says so. That's profound. That My marriage with Minerva, our marriage is supposed to be a display of the gospel. Your marriage is supposed to be a display of the gospel. Anytime you get married, it's supposed to be a display of the gospel. And the gospel is about love. It's about that John 3, 16. For God so loved, the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life, so therefore then the gospel is that Christ is he paid a price for his bride it, 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 see what what it does what what why why am I saying all this that I'm saying, which to some may be. I thought you were going to talk about I thought you really were going to talk about a husband's supposed to do this and wives supposed to do this and and they're supposed to learn to communicate and, and finances is one of the biggest problems in marriage da 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 da. I mean, hey, uh that's 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 part of in a relationship, I understand that. But if you don't have a foundation, debt is not that those things not going to matter not two cents. Because we already know that 50% of roundabout that marriages failed that's in the church. And, and they and, and you can't say that. None of them went to a, a, a marriage seminar. None of them heard about all that stuff. The man's supposed to, you know, the husband's supposed to love his wife and the wife's supposed to be submissive. And all that. Everybody knows all that stuff. But it's hard to do. It's hard to do only because people don't have the right foundation. They really don't. And I didn't. And so what I'm trying to learn is that, okay, it's not about me in my marriage with Minerva. It's not about me. I'm finding out it's not about her. It is all about Jesus Christ. And his death, his burial, his resurrection for his bride that God sent his only begotten son to win back a creation that he created that, that failed sin speaking of Adam and he sent for his last Adam who was a living soul and a, a life-giving spirit he sent him to, to redeem mankind it's about us showing the world that and when I get it all mis, mixed up in my Mind about where the dishes weren't like I washed like I supposed to be. Cause we, I mean, we have things that are different. Everyone does. Everyone does. I don't like for dishes to stay in the sink a long time. I just don't. Whenever doesn't like for dishes to be in both sides of the sink. We have double sink. Doesn't like for dishes to be in both sides. I, you know. We just have differences, and we can make these differences big, big. We take a trip. I like it cool in the car. She likes it hot. I like it cool because I don't want to fall asleep. Really? Yeah, because see, I'm the one driving. See, I'm the one driving. She's asleep over there. I'm trying to stay awake, man. I'm hot, man. I'm buttoning my shirt, you know. My, I'm trying to, oh, gosh, man. You know. Man. Roll down the window, boy. I'm trying to stay awake, man. I'm trying to stay awake. From here to out of I'm trying to stay awake. <laughs> I am. We are different. We are different. Yeah. I'm sociable sometimes, you know, and and you know, uh, I go somewhere, man. We're we'll talking, and talking. And we'll stay. we we'll man. I was over one person's house, man. Um, it, it can be 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, man. I'm okay. And, and she said, "My goodness gracious, what's wrong with you, man? And then, you know, you should have been ready to go around around 9:30, don't you think, Richard? People want to go to bed." I said, "Hey, you know, they sleep tomorrow." You know. <laughs> She's very considerate of people. And I guess I'm not. <laughs> I guess I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're different. I don't know a marriage where everybody's the same. Both of you just like each other. I mean, you just a carbon coppers, you know. I don't know a marriage like that. None. But I know that we can make a big deal out of our differences. Because I can think it's not just what I used to think. It's about me and my happiness. I'm not happy with this thing the way it is. You you need to change. And she can say, "Well, well, I'm not happy with the way you do this. and You need to change. And we can all be focusing on what we need to change in each other. You go to marriage counseling, and I mean, I've done it before. You mean you say, okay, what would you like change? Okay, I like this change. Let's make a list. A, these are the things I like change. What's the list? These are the things I like change. Okay, let's work on the first two. Just change, change, change. Do you understand that God is not about interested in that as a foundation. As a foundation, He is interested in. Dying to self. That's what he's interested in. That's what the gospel is. The gospel somebody died. Back with, with, with Adam, something died to get some skins for them to have some clothes. And in the gospel, we know that Jesus Christ died. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the, he is the, the groom, and we are the, uh, the spouse bride of Christ who died. The head. Christ died for his church. Yeah. That's what marriage is about death. Death. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. we got singles in here, and some, you know, uh, one just got engaged, you know, and just excited about getting married. Um, she hadn't had a first counseling session yet. Yeah, deaf. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about. death. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Isn't that isn't isn't that the gospel? I mean, what did, what did Elder John just say up here? To, to, I think he was talking to now, we're we talking about the, the death, you're identifying with the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And, if, and the first word he says is about the what? Death. Yeah. Yeah, the death. And in, in, in marriages, they, it's not working like it's supposed to because we're thinking about life. My life. Right? What pleases me? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's what he's talking about. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, didn't it? Let's look at it in Romans, chapter 5. If we're going to, to display the gospel... This great mystery that he's telling us we're going to have to get the right meaning of marriage. Once you have the right meaning of marriage, then you can operate accordingly. It says here that verse 5 and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If marriages are supposed to represent the gospel, then that means that the people within that marriage s- supposed to be about dying for things that might not be godly. Or things that need to be changed, let's say. Because that's what we all want change. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps. For a good man, someone would die, even even dare to die. Verse eight. But God demonstrates His own love towards us. Now we said that that marriage is supposed to be a uh, not only His doing His 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 uh, design, but also supposed to display the gospel. And it says here He demonstrates His love. It's supposed to display God's love for his church. His love for the unsaved. It says, he demonstrated it, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So within a marriage, while Minerva is still maybe... Want to be hot in the car, and I want it cold, and I think, you are not, you're selfish. And she said, well, you are selfish. You're not thinking of my needs. She said, well, you're not thinking of my needs. And we can can put a a whole bunch of stuff into that category, right? And he's saying that who's going to die while you don't get your way even even if your mate doesn't give you your way will you die even though your mate has not changed and don't plan on changing come on are you going to display the gospel because Christ died for the Ungodly. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And and, and a lot of the stuff we won't die to is not sin. It's not sin. Really. Really. Whenever it's left-handed, I'm right-handed. When she hangs up clothes, the the little crook thing goes this way. I like for it to go this way. <laughs> Don't hang up my shirts with thing going that way. Yeah. It's not sin. Come on, is it? It's not sin. Do you know how many marriages have failed because it's a what's it? What do they call it today? Irreconcilable differences or something, you know? She got the hang this way, I got to hang of this way. Uh, she liked the dishes this way, I like the she likes the temper this way. The man, we just can't agree. We got differences. We can't reconcile these differences. That's the world. God says, I don't care if you don't get your way. If you're gonna if you're gonna display the gospel, then we are dying for each other. We're dying for each other. Do you know that God expects us to practice that before you get married? Singles, I told you this, this is this is for you. Do you understand that you're in relationships, and how many relationships is all about me? When, when I don't get my way, then I'm going to leave the relationship. Come on. It's about What I hold to be important. It could be my this, my children, my this, and my that. And God is looking for faithfulness. Come on. It's a fruit of the spirit, isn't it? What did God tell us? I will never leave you or forsake you, even to the end of time. Security. Security. And when you have that security in a marriage, then you can be negative and unashamed. Because there's grace, isn't it? Nobody's pointing at you. Oh, look at you. you. know, Nobody's doing that because there's a covenant love. There's security in this relationship. God doesn't point at us and laugh at us. Look at your nose. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. We need to practice that in every relationship that we have now you know I'm not saying because you've 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 been in this church long enough to know uh, at least most of you have that there are lines that if you cross those lines you're not crossed over into unbiblical territory and we're not going we're not going to just uh excuse everything that, that's another message within this message there's another message that 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 once once you enter the the gospel is about change. Do you understand that? It's about change. It's not about, hey, put up with everything. Whenever put up with it, whatever Willa wants to do, put up with it because you, you died. It's supposed to display uh, that, that Christ died. No, 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 no. See, there's, a, there, there's, there's a security in this marriage. So you can tell me, look, look, buddy, uh, you better get your act together. Wear a T-shirt or something in this car. I'm cold, so get over it, you know. Uh, And, and, hey, I have to change. I have to change some things, right? Don't you think that Christ died for us and said, don't worry about a thing. You don't have to change, you know. You stay just like you are. I died for the sinner. I died for the ungodly. I died for you while you're yet sinner. Keep sinning. God didn't say that. God said, I'm going to accept you just like you are. You're a heathen just like you are. A sinner just like you are. Ungodly just like you are. I love you. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what anything is. I love you and I die for you. Now, I'm gonna love you enough to change you. Right? Yeah. That's what the gospel's about. So, so I'm not. I just want to tell you that so you'll come by. You say, this fool thinks He thinks I'm a I'm a I'm gonna put up with everything, anything. No. No. That's not the gospel either. But one thing for sure, he expects us to put up with more than what we're doing. I guarantee that. The fifth one, and last one, that I wanted to hit was that because marriage is supposed to display the gospel, and a an unsaved person. A marriage with two unbelievers, they cannot display the gospel. Do you understand that? They can't display the gospel. Uh, Second Corinthians. That's this last. Let's go there. Second Corinthians, uh, chapter four, verse three. Let's go there. It says. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. How can an un- unsaved person see if they've been blinded, so they can't display it. I, I didn't say that. they can't stay married sixty years. I didn't say that, but a marriage would not be not be showing the glory of God because un- ungodly person they they can't see the gospel. That's what it, that's what it says to me. So for anybody who want to marry someone who's unsaved, don't do it. Don't do it, because God said don't do it. Not because I said don't do it. He said don't do it. Well, fellowship has light with doctrine. Don't do it. Because you've signed up for trouble already. Okay? No change. Unless God saved a person and changed again. The gospel is for our good. God is for our good. And I know that our marriages marriage is a good thing. Let me tell you that. It is a good thing. I don't know anything other than salvation. you know that is better than marriage really really to the right person I have to say it to the right person, okay The Bible speaks of that too right person, and there is a right person for you um. Wait on him. Wait on him or her. Don't get ahead of God and don't think God's not for your good. Wait on him because don't get ahead and do something, you know, and create an ishmael. Don't do that.